the men's group has uh, recently been reviewing a movie that has to do with the pilgrims from the very beginning of those individuals that wanted the freedom of religion. Their circumstances was one of living under a tyrant that was telling every individual what they were to believe and what they were not to believe. This same tyrant was changing the biblical laws to, to just uh, suit him and his lifestyle. He had, uh, I know at least one, maybe two of his wives ex- uh, executed and uh, where it didn't fit in with the laws at the time of the Catholic Church, they totally abolished it and that ended when they started the, the Church of England. So these, these that really wanted the freedom that they knew that worshiping the Lord would provide, they started getting together. At this same time, the printing press made it possible for each and every person to have one. Now, they don't have the same distribution that we might have. They might not have the stores down at the end of the block in which they can buy Bibles, but they were disseminating the Bible more and more. This greatly upset the uh, king because he didn't want any laws but his laws. There were those that were willing to lose their life, as always been the case with Christians, that it was that important that they had their worship, a freedom of worship, without him. So this group of individuals, these pilgrims, if you will, they came together of like mind and said they wanted to come to the United States, to this country they really knew nothing about. There wasn't any flyers that were down at the travel agency or anything like that. They didn't have any idea what was awaiting them, but they were seeking freedom, and in their mind that's the only place they could go. They tried several times, and this is something that no history book that I ever saw really concentrated on how many times they tried to leave England. But they have one setback after another one. They had one particular setback that that separated the men from the wife and children for about a year, and eventually they came back together. They were able to get to, together and, and forge this group again. But it was one attempt after another to come over to the United States. And this voyage was anything but safe. But they believed in Jesus Christ. They believed there was a place in which there could be the freedom to worship. They knew that their Lord... Jesus Christ had a special desire, if you will, for His followers to be free, for He Himself set us free. So with that kind of commitment, then the pilgrims came over to the United States seeking freedom of religion. And uh, I'm using a different Bible today, the the American Patriots Bible, but it is an NIV uh, version. The uh, purpose of the pilgrims was to establish a political commonwealth governed by biblical standards. The The Mayflower Compact, their initial governing document, clearly stated that what they had undertaken was for the glory of God 
and the advancement of the Christian faith. In today's world, we know that there are many, many that would say this is not true. They, they try to impose this idea that those coming over, the original ones and those that followed, they had some other purpose other than their faith. And there surely was some that that wasn't their objective. Some were thinking about wealth and, and establishing maybe their own little kingdom, if you will, out of the riches in this new world. That too. But the main purpose is documented by the letters that were sent out, the quotes that we now have from diaries. We know how important that truly was. It dawned on me in preparation in that we today also fight a movement that's trying to squelch freedom of religion as we know it. In the school systems, it has been tried. It has been, over the last several years, there has been that suppression of religion, religious freedom. At least they're trying to. But it has not worked, has it? They are trying to prevent merchants from being able to make a choice as to their own faith, as to who they're going to serve and who they are not going to serve based on religious beliefs and topics. You and I are not alone, though, in this frustration because from the very beginning, when the earliest settlers said they were going to leave England, they wanted the same thing you and I want. There was persecution. And if they were found with a Bible in England... They were, they were killed. It was a, uh, a no-brainer. It was just a, an offense that it was carried out with, with death for that person. But even with that, that was not going to stop these individuals from worshiping the Lord. And if anything, it's kind of like with the disciples. The more they pressured the disciples after the death and resurrection of Christ, after they suppressed it, then Christians spread, it, spread out throughout the educated world, such as to Rome, Greece, and they were running from this kind of oppression. Well, the same thing was working with our forefathers. They were being oppressed, and they said, we have got to go to the United States. So people that believe in Christ have always sought a place in which they, which they could worship the Lord, have the freedom to, each in their own way, without dictation from somebody on high. So we had those early settlers that came forward with that, with that purpose to have a freedom of religion. In uh, Massachusetts, they have several statues that are commemorative of this and quotes that are from the pilgrims themselves in which they acknowledge Christ, in which they acknowledge Jesus, which they acknowledge God himself. So we know that that was deep in their heart. And that was the emphasis that led on into the settlement of the United States as more and more came over. One of the things that has been discussed is God had uh, told the, uh, through Jesus, his teachings, that they should honor the, the people of Rome that they were the ones that were in charge. They were making the rules. And Jesus, as you know, was one of great peace. He never once talked about a rebellion with swords. His rebellion was of a heart. 
Well, it reached a point in time in which there was that suppression, and Peter himself said, we ought to obey God rather than men. There reaches a time in which uh, man's law are not necessarily the same thing as God's law. We have seen that with tyrants throughout our life and throughout the lives of our forefathers. There's some individuals that they will suppress any voice that is counter to theirs. And so in doing that, the freedom to worship Jesus Christ was squelched. And when that happens is there is a rebellion that is carried on from that point on. The Declaration of Independence identified the sources of all authority and rights as the Creator. That's the authority for all. And then uh, accentuated that individual human rights were God-given, not man-made. Thus, there would be no king or established religion to stand in the way of human liberty or dignity. uh, Unequivocally, it was uh, Judeo-Christian ideals that would be the foundation of the United States of America. As a matter of public record, the delegates included 28 Episcopalians, 8 Presbyterians, 7 Congregationalists, 2 Lutherans, 2 Dutch Reformed, 2 Methodists, 2 Roman Catholics, 1 Unknown, and 3 Deists. And Deists would be one that said, I believe God created the world, and then God just left it to us to figure out how we were going to take care of it. That the God that created the world was no longer available for prayers or anything else that he had just, you know, guys, you're on your own. So that is what the deists would say then, and uh, there are a number of them today, and I see that term used more frequently today than I have in a long, long time. Um, John Hancock and John Adams said, we recognize no sovereignty but God, and no king but Jesus. John Adams, the second president, said, the general principles upon which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. I will avow that I believe and now believe that those general principles of Christianity are as essential and immovable as the existence of as the existence and attributes of God himself by John Adams. There was no doubt that these leaders, the ones that signed the constitutions, had great faith in the Lord. They knew that they were putting their lives and their fortune on that document when they signed the constitution. Some would say that Ben Franklin was not a believer. He was not an extrovert when it came to his beliefs. He is not known for his many, many writings on God himself or on Jesus. But it is a part of our history that the Constitutional Convention had met an impasse. They could not agree on moving forward at all. It looked like it was blocked and the convention might break up. But a Saturday morning, Benjamin Franklin went in and said, let us begin this session with prayer. After the prayer, they were able to pull together and move forward. 
to this very day, sessions start every day in Congress with a prayer. With prayer. And yet, some of the laws we read seem to uh, be countered to that as to what they want with us. A couple of years ago, Ryan Turner was our speaker at the National Day of Prayer. And he asked, he says, how many of you think that uh, prayer is not in the school system or it's less than when you were there? And a lot of hands went up. You know, I've heard the laws. Separation of God and uh, school laws, God and country. And he said, that's not right. He says, if anything, we might have more prayers today in school than ever before because the teachers that are there are praying when they start that day. They are praying with their classes. Students are praying before they take tests. The administrators are praying before they take their task on. So God is involved in the school system in in such a powerful way. So once again, man passes laws to restrict our faith and religion, but man that are believers in Jesus Christ find a way to stand up for what they believe. It may be in a quiet way, it might be in a subtle way, but there will be always be Christians. Those that are uh, trying to squash out Christianity overseas in Iraq, Syria, Afghanistan, they are suppressing it. They are killing a lot of Christians, but I promise you they will never stomp it out. There have been those that have tried it time after time, but the power of Jesus Christ lives too strong. The the desire for freedom in the hearts of man, that's too strong. You will never be able to stomp it out. Yes, there will be those times you get discouraged. Yes, there will be those times of challenges. There will be those times in which we might take it for granted. But then there's September the 11th. 9-11 in which the towers, New York City came down, the Pentagon was hit. And the churches in the United States had not seen so many people in church as they did after that disaster. It would be equivalent to Pearl Harbor where people were coming back, praying to the Lord, praying for strength, praying for courage, praying for our our country. So the attendance is going down. It's It is documented that you do not have as many people in churches today as you might have 50 years ago, not as a percent, but you can never count Christians out. Whether they're coming into the house of the Lord, whether they're worshiping at home, they still believe and they still know that the best answer to any of the situations we face as a country is built on the foundation of God Himself. He is the divine light in which we build. I would like for Daisy to help me out here, if you would, please. uh, In the hymn book, 590, uh, I believe it's 595, isn't it? The uh, National Anthem, um, 575, thank you. Is that where we are? Is that right? 575? I think it's right. We sing the national anthem, uh, Star Spangled Banner, 
for some of you, but I always refer to it as the national anthem. We sing it at every event, like sporting events. Maybe not all of them, but the majority of them. We hear it played. We see individuals. We stand up. We sing it. And so many times we do it without giving a lot of thought to the meanings of the word because it might be kind of like every Sunday we do the Lord's Prayer. And I venture a guess a lot of us have our mind drifting as we're saying those words. And the same thing with this beautiful song. But there is a history behind this song that you and I need to understand, just like there's a history throughout the development of the United States of America, the bravery, the, those that were committed 100%. George Washington said in the United States, the Americans would rather die standing up than kneeling to some foreign king. The American willpower is so prevalent. And it's like DNA that you may have, DNA that I may have. There are those family traits, but there are other ones that are environmental. Somewhere, I think it was my uh, great-great-grandfathers were both ministers. One was a Methodist, one was a Baptist. They weren't a quarter mile apart as far as the church buildings. But the families from at least that point on, and it had to even be before that, have always been involved in worshiping the Lord. From my earliest days, we would be worshiping. When we would get with the other uncles and aunts, the kids and their moms would go to church. We were in church, whether we were out of town or not, we were worshiping. So that was an influence on my life. And we have those influences in the United States of America. Our forefathers believed so strongly in freedom that they set that, that motion in, in effect. And their, their children, their grandkids, they kept being passed down. Freedom is worth dying for. Freedom. So you can worship as you want. Freedoms, the other freedoms that we have, it's worth it. But it started way back there with the settlement of the United States of America. Crying out for freedom. Francis Scott Key was an attorney. And at that time in the war, there were many, many ministers that professed the importance of fighting for the United States. Those ministers, many of them even signed up and were leaders in the revolution. Francis Scott Key had that influence on his life. George Washington had made an agreement with the English that they would exchange they would exchange prisoners. Each had a large group of prisoners and they felt like it was important to exchange these prisoners. So Francis Scott Key was sent to the ship, the commander's ship for the English. And they negotiated a swap in prisoners. He was ecstatic because all of these men would be coming home. And the men were all down in that porthole. And he, the mess that he saw when he looked down, and you can just imagine with hundreds of individuals down below. And 
the stench and the people that were changed, the conditions. It broke his heart, but he says, I've got good news for you. You're going to be free. You're going to be free. And then the commander of the ship came to him and he says, all of this negotiating may be for naught. Because this night, this war will end. Francis Scott Key says, what? How can that be? He says, we have given an ultimatum to those that are at Fort Henry that they lower those colors or we will blow that entire fort away where there will not be anything but just stones laying there. But that flag will come down. Francis Scott Key passed that below. They knew if the flag came down, it was over. Their dreams were bashed. So they watched. Francis got key and the commanders watched. The armada of of ships came in. All the ships of the English army came in and focused their guns on that one fort. And with a certain signal... They started pounding it, pounding it, pounding it. They said, Francis Scott Key said the noise was so loud you couldn't talk to anybody, you couldn't hear anything. But every once in a while, someone down below says, is the flag standing? Is it standing? So they wanted that report. Is it standing? All night long, all night long, they kept bombarding it. And the commander came to Key and he says, I don't understand it. Our information tells us we have hit that flag time and time again. But it's still standing. At daybreak, stars and stripes, the pole that it was on was bending. The flag itself was just ripped to threads. But it was flying. It was still on the pole. And Francis Scott Key told the men below, it's still standing. It's still standing. And there was a roar from down below. uh, Yay! You know, the people were so excited, yelling, you know, hang in there, don't quit. Francis Scott Key went in to shore. And he went to the fort. He wanted to see what had happened. And what he found was that that flag and that flagpole was hit time after time. But every time it was hit, there were Americans holding that flag, holding that pole. Many had been killed holding that pole. They were not going to let it go to the ground. As one or two or more were killed, then there was more that would step up knowing that that was the target of the enemy. They knew that was the target. The odds were they too were going to die. But they were not going to let that flag touch the ground. So those Americans with their own blood, their own courage, made sure that the American flag would fly. And to this day, that American flag still flies. And it still represents freedom. Freedom that our forefathers fought with everything that was in them even their life. 
And since that day to this day, there have been wars after war, but the American flag still flies high. The American flag will not be pulled down. We do not bow to any other government, any other king. We fly it high so that everybody will know there is a land of the free, and that is the United States of America. I ask that you might stand at this time and join in singing our national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner, 575, our national anthem. First verse only, please. Say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we have at or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming and the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say does that star-spangled Yahweh o'er the land another free and the home Our mighty Father, thank you for the courage of our ancestors, their vision for freedom. That vision came from studying the Word of God and seeing that Jesus Christ brought freedom for all mankind. They risked, they risked the ocean in which the storms were mighty, but they were willing to take the chance. Throughout the history of our great land, we have been willing to take the chance as well. There have been one generation after another that will step up and defend this great land. And yes, to make sure that flag is always standing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for our ancestors. Thank you for these that had the vision of freedom. For we pray this in your name, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.